Drill, baby, drill. He had such enormous fun that he called for another elephant to come. It's just awfully good that someone with the temperament of Donald Trump is not in charge of the law in our country. Because you'd be in jail. Secretary Clinton. America, stay out the bushes. Stay out the bushes. Jet is a mess. And welcome to a Monday, we're here, February 20th episode edition of The Elephants in the Room. We did it. How you doing? Happy President's Day. Happy President's Day. Happy President's Day. Did you have the day off? Yes, I did. Yeah, I knew that because we hung out all day. <laughs> and um, <laughs> we were joking. We were joking. We um, every, every morning, um, like the adorable couple we are, we take our little pup, Penny, for a walk together. And um, it's just a nice time in the morning to chat and joke and, you know, um, and you know, getting ready for the day. What you dream about? Anything? Anything to anything spill over from whatever we we read, or if we watched something the night before? And um, um, today we were joking about how funny would it be if we were working today? And hey, everyone, here's a nice icebreaker. It's President's Day. Why doesn't everyone go around and say their favorite president? And we were joking that someone inevitably in the room would say. Um, Chief Wallahahala, whatever, because this is stolen land. This is stolen land. This is stolen land, right? That's the correct response is all of the presidents are illegal because this is stolen land. Yes. (laughs) So it's all illegitimate. None of this should exist. So you really shouldn't follow anything. I think this is the path to becoming a sovereign, a sovereign citizen. <laughs> this is all illegitimate. This is all illegal. This land's stolen. I don't acknowledge any of this. Um, <laughs> um, Google. If you don't know what a sovereign citizen is, Google sovereign citizen or Google 2016 Libertarian Party National Convention and watch the video of the people who make the argument to be the Libertarian Party nominee, and you'll see a number of sovereign citizens um, 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 state that they should be president of the United States. Um, but, uh, but anyways, moving on, um, today, Joe Biden finally visited the environmental and and human disaster in East Palestine, Ohio. Oh, how nice of him to stop by. I'm lying. Oh. He went to Ukraine. It's the one-year anniversary of Putin's invasion of Ukraine, which at this point seems to be somewhat of a stalemate. And now we have Zelensky out there saying that he, he wants to see Ukrainian tanks rolling through Red Square. So he wants to put Ukraine on the offensive. So everything that we should view, our support for Ukraine for 
uh, we should view our support for Ukraine through the lens of Zelensky wanting to wage an offensive war against Vladimir Putin's Russia. And today, uh, Joe Biden came out and um, surprised the world by visiting Ukraine, by going to Kiev, and not just by going to Kiev, but as Joe Biden does, took a train, flew in and took a train, and then offered um, another $500 million in military assistance to, to Ukraine. Um, now, keep in mind, I bring up East Palestine because FEMA still refuses to offer assistance to East Palestine. All right, this is on the rail company right there. Government has nothing to do with this. Don't. I'm from the government, and I'm here to help. Does not exist anymore in the Biden administration. All right. The era of big government is to enrich the Biden family, the Pelosi family, and the other criminal members of the Democrat Party. But don't look for assistance. If you come from a state that didn't vote for Joe Biden... Right? This is what happens when there is an absence of leadership. This is as petty as it gets. But they're going to send the EPA flunky out there tomorrow, whatever his name is. I don't even care. It's not even important reporting his name to say that, uh, no, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Um,. What's the EPA flunky's name? Michael Regan, EPA administer. Um, despite the government's assurances, this is from Fox News today, despite the government's assurances that the community is safe, residents have complained of constant headaches and irritated eyes. The state plans to open a medical clinic in the village of 4700 to analyze their symptoms, despite repeated statements that air and water testing has shown no signs of contaminants. Who are you going to trust, folks? Me or your lying, crying eyes, right? That's incredible. Oh, I'm sorry. The symptoms that you're experiencing, this is all in your mind. Trust me, I'm from the government. What unbelievable, this is the, isn't this supposed to be the party of science? Aren't we supposed to test? Aren't we supposed to err on the side of caution? That's what we were told time and time and time again during the pandemic, to err on the side of caution. If you think it might not be safe, then don't do it. I don't see them trucking East Palestine, Ohio water to the White House for Joe Biden to serve during state dinners. I'd like to see that. I want to see this guy go to that river and just take a... Take some of that fresh spring water in there in East Palestine, Ohio. We've all seen the pictures. We've all seen the pictures of what looks like the remnants of a nuclear blast going off over, over the town, except that that is just the continuing burning of chemicals. That's now out, but that's what it was. Gross. Peter DiCarlo, a professor of environmental health and engineering at Johns Hopkins University, told ABC News on Sunday that more testing is needed to determine which chemicals are present. We just don't have the information we need to understand what chemicals may be present, DiCarlo said. We know it started as vinyl chloride, but as soon as you burn that, all bets are off. 
you have a lot of chemical byproducts that can happen from a combustion process like that. Asked if he would move back to East Palestine if he were already living there, DiCarlo said, I have two little boys. I would not. There we go. There it is. You know, the left, one of the tactics the left constantly uses is experts, expertise. I'm an expert. I have a degree in this, so therefore I am the master of all knowledge in this field because a university professor said so. It doesn't take an expert or anyone else in this situation to take a look at the facts on the ground, to take a look at what was burning, to take a look at the pictures, to like take a look at the videos that are on social media of fish dying, just dead fish floating, just floating, of that of that rainbowy, you know, um, oily, um, you know, veneer that's on top of the water. You know what that? You know, you've always seen this in a driveway. After mm -hmm. rain, if you leave a car out and it rains and that, that oil that's just kind of seeped into the pavement, you're like, oh, did it rain rainbows? No, that's just oil and water and just other grime and, and crud mixing chemicals, mixing together. That's what that is. That's what that is. But believe me, just, just trust the government. What you are experiencing, the health the health issues that you are experiencing do not exist just trust the government just trust mayor pete you know he fixed potholes in south bend that's right seems totally reasonable there's thousands of train derailments but no 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 we got to focus on ukraine we got to give 500 million dollars to ukraine And do you think that we are going to be a blockade to stop it? Us in the grassroots, we are actually going to have to be the blockade. We are going to have to be the people who put an end to this nonsense of funding this now offensive war against Russia. There's no reason for us to be engaged in a war against Russia. Hey, Russia, let's go back to the beginning of this. Hey, Russia, stop what you're doing. Stop it. You're going to disrupt the global economy. You're going to do a whole bunch of stuff. There's no need for you to do it. So I sent some money. Hey, here's some aid. Here, just, just try to just make them realize they shouldn't continue down this path. Well, Putin's continued down the path. And apparently we've decided, and I say we as a country, because not only is the Democrat leadership pushing this, but now the Republican, the Republican leadership is firmly behind it. And I know we said this on our last in our last uh, show, but the trick one of the trickiest things about Mitch McConnell is that um, he he has he does some he is such a master of Senate procedure that eighty percent of the time you want to have him on your side. Here we have the 20% of the time where we are going, Mitch McConnell, this is why we want to vote you out of office. And it's because of the arrogance and stupidity that comes out of his mouth regularly. And it shows his just true contempt for the run-of-the-mill Republican conservative voter. 
Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell on Friday told attendees at the Munich Security Conference, by the way, that was the same Munich Security Conference that George Soros spoke at, if you recall Friday's show, when George Soros talked about the Trump third party run and about how he sees it being Trump versus DeSantis. Um, and that Trump was using that as Soros endorsing DeSantis, but that's not what was happening. But this is the same globalist security conference. The more important thing is that Mitch McConnell speaking at the security conference and George Soros is speaking at this conference. Birds of a feather, feather flock together. Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell on Friday told attendees at the Munich Security Conference that Republican leadership backs continued aid to Ukraine as it fights off a Russian invasion, despite voices within his party opposing continued assistance. Reports about the death of Republican support for strong American leadership in the world have been greatly exaggerated, he said. My party's leaders overwhelmingly support a strong, involved America and a robust transatlantic alliance. Don't look at Twitter. Look at the people in power. Hey, dum-dum, you know who puts you in power? It's the people who are on Twitter upset at your policies. And I'm not going to say that Mitch McConnell's too stupid to know how this works. He knows exactly how this works. He's just extraordinarily arrogant. The rank and file of the Republican Party, i.e. us, conservative activists, the people who follow the stuff day in and day out, I get more upset than we should about things that go on that we can't control. We are the ones that need to make sure that Mitch McConnell understands that when he speaks like this, there will be consequences. It's just a reminder that this Ukraine thing is, needs to be a central part of the 2024 GOP primary process. The candidates that are con for continued support for Ukraine need to be <laughs> ushered out the door. Thank you. Exit through the gift shop. Collect your 5 to $10 million that you get to keep from your donors under some sort of weird technicality. Whatever it is, congratulations. You made your money. Collect your bag. We cannot have a presidential candidate that stands in lockstep with Joe Biden on what seems to be the second most important geopolitical question right now. We need to oppose Joe Biden and his policies of China, and we need to oppose his policies on Ukraine. And it should be very easy for us to oppose them because they are the wrong policies. They are the wrong policies for America going forward. Speaking of the 2024 nominating process, at some point, and I, I think DeSantis's hand is going to get forced here. I think DeSantis's hand is going to get forced, and I think he's going to have to jump in a little bit sooner than he wants to because Trump just unloads on him daily. Everyone's talking about him daily. Um, he's going to need to, at some point, or maybe not. Maybe he's just going to continue doing his 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 thing. Um, people have every time I go on Twitter, there's the DeSantis wing and the Trump wing, and it's 
I think everyone knows there's not large, large, large policy differences between between the two men. Do um, you think they're both spendthrifts? Well, so I think, so this is the interesting thing. So Donald Trump has been attacking DeSantis from the, he wants to cut Medicare and Social Security. That's just a stupid line. Which I would love to cut Medicare and Social Security. Right, yeah, he's attacking DeSantis from the left on that issue because he wants to make sure the senior citizens, who let's, let's be honest, senior citizens show up in Republican primaries. He wants to make sure he gets a senior citizen vote. And, uh, and um, DeSantis is not engaging in any of these going back and forth. Nikki Haley continues to just say that she's a generational candidate. She continues to not kind of do much. Um, um, but the reason that I brought this up is because it looks like the next two names that are going to get in are Tim Scott and then Governor Chris Sununu. Okay. Of New Hampshire. A warm glass of water. Head, warm glass of milk. He is uh, the he is from the New York Times. Here's your first. Here's your first warning. Chris Sununu eyes the GOP's normal lane in 2024. Does it exist? Question mark. So first of all, he's giving an interview to the New York Times. So so red flag number one, because this brings into what we brought up with Nikki Haley on Friday, which is that one of the problems with Nikki Haley is that she cares what the media thinks about her. Okay, right here, this is a case where Governor Sununu cares what the media thinks about him. I'm not like, I'm not a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. You know, right? If anyone remembers Amy Poehler's character in Mean Girls, right? Makes her virgin strawberry daiquiris. But hey, if you want a little alcohol, it's okay. I'll throw it in there. It's safe at my house. I'm not a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. Right? Chris Sununu, I'm not a regular Republican. I'm a cool Republican. I'm one that the media should like. Listen to this. No and thing. this is and this is the problem of this, is that he speaks the language of the left. He uses the language of the left. So first and foremost, he calls himself pro-choice. Persona non grata on a GOP primary. Thank you very much. Once again, peace out. What the hell does normal mean? <laughs> that is a loaded question. What does normal mean? What is a normal Republican? What is a normal Republican? Whenever I hear, oh, I'm a normal Republican. I'm a regular Republican. Like a George Bush era kind of Republican? I hear, I'm a fart-sniffing, self-righteous, liberal-leaning dweeb. That's what I yeah, hear. Yeah, you're a Mitt Romney. That's what I hear. Exactly. You're a Mitt Romney, right? You're, for lack of a better term, and for those of you who might be offended what, what Tiger Woods did on uh, last week, um, I want you to cover your ears for the next three seconds. I just think he's a panty waste. That's what it sounds like to me. I'm a normal Republican. I can't stand that language because it's just the language of the left. It's snotty and it's condescending. But here he goes. He goes further. Governor Sununu, I'm conservative. I'm just not an extremist, Mr. Sununu said. Sometimes people confuse conservative with extremists. Well, yeah, Chris, because people like you on our side do this in the media regularly to people who want to, oh, I don't know, defend and protect the Constitution of the United States. Nothing offends a liberal more than being like, hey, let's take a step back. Let's figure out, first of all, do you have the authority to do this? Is this something that needs to, does the government need to be involved with this? Should the government be getting their hands dirty with this? 
That's what the Constitution is there for, folks. It's to make sure that as our country was bound to expand, it was to make sure that people at the local level, level were going to be able to make sure that they would govern themselves at that level with the most, for lack of a better term, control. Right? We're all united by these ideals of, of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But some people in California might want to live differently than people in New York, differently than people in Texas, differently than people in North Dakota. Sometimes people confuse conservative with extremist. It reminds me of a famous quote. Do you know what I'm thinking of? You were born in the city where this was said. Well, then it was said in San Francisco, but outside of that. <laughs> <laughs> it was said in San Francisco at the Cow Palace. 1964 Republican National Convention. Barry Goldwater. Extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice. I wonder what Chris Sununu would call AOC or Ilhan Omar or, oh, I don't know, a representative uh, directed to the south of him, Presley. Would he call those women extremists? He has no problem throwing around that term on our side. And by the way, I actually don't think it's a dirty term. I have no problem saying that I am a conservative extremist. I think extreme changes need to be made into this republic in order to revert it back to where it was in order for it to survive for the next couple of hundred years. Extreme changes have been made expanding the government. Extreme changes need to be made to shrink the government. I don't think it's an outrageous thing to say. I think it's an extremely accurate thing to say when you take a look at how our debt has exploded over time. Marjorie Taylor Greene brings up the idea of a national divorce. Republicans and Democrats just can't get along together. It's time for a divorce. Split the country in two. Finally. <laughs> I was about to say, my first thought was, I wonder how that would work. Right? Not if it's a good idea or battered idea or not. I do I think mean, at some point. they'd have to do it along state lines. They couldn't do it just by people living wherever. Would you split it down, say, the Mississippi? No, because, and then what, force the people who are liberal to leave? Like, you have to have that majority, right? Like, if you just split it, the same stupid people are going to vote for the same stupid things. Well, In fact, if we put it down the middle we we might have two democrat countries there's a reason why california keeps losing people every year they're moving to other states yeah and, and voting for the same stupid idiots look at arizona exactly so there would need to be some sort of provision that would prevent the other people and their offspring from ever moving across the border i mean it would have to be like a shoot on sight kind of thing <laughs> i'm kidding i'm kidding can't it's a joke it's a, never mind some people don't get jokes anymore
No, but I'm serious. I was thinking about, I'm like, what would be feasibly the thing? And that, and that was one of my concerns. My concern is that they're going to look at Freedom Land and go, oh my gosh, look at all this enterprise. Look at these people who are committed to achieving and, and chasing after excellence. I want to be a part of this. And then they're going to come over and they're going to be like, but I want to go in the girls' room because I think I'm a woman today. And what is a woman, by the way? I can have a period. I'm a man. This is the most important thing in the world. If you don't support me, I'm going to destroy everything around me. How do you prevent those people from coming across the border? Well, if we could actually get a correct division of states and get the correct people to move in the correct places, we could then vote on a citizenship and even a visa program that makes it so that you essentially can't get in if you believe those things. Mm, I like that. And the liberal like side that. won't have any of that nonsense, and they will live in La La Land. What about people who are born in Freedom Land who end up with liberal leanings? Through How would that happen? Through accidents of nature. <laughs> you could be born with liberal leanings. You could be born stupid. There are stupid people in the world, right? Well, this is why, I mean, this is why this is probably never going to happen, Right. Well, I just think the pure logistics of it are why it's not going to happen. Like you said, like how do we actually divide it? I don't actually think it's a, the worst idea in the world. Like, do I want to live in a country but that's I don't governed see the by point. AOC? I don't no. see the point of breaking it up just so we can have like five to ten years of it and then it all falls apart anyway. Well, so I do like the idea of us on the conservative side just of forcibly taking over the country by overthrow. No, that's another possibility. One of us just wins. What do you mean? Well, like, let's just say, like, uh, everything got so heated in the country between Republicans and Democrats that, uh, you know, things got ended up being divided on political lines. I'm picking the Republicans. But when you say overthrow, are you saying, like, a coup? Or are you saying we actually managed to win all three houses and actually put some things into place? Yeah, by whatever means necessary, we take control of all three branches and uh, the two houses of government, and the uh, we take care of all three. We take we we control all three branches of the government and the military, and then we just basically force our beliefs on everyone else, or else they are exiled. And just like what take away elections because wouldn't they just be voted out in two years? Well, we would make their beliefs illegal. That's what we were getting at, right? <laughs> we would forcibly remove them from the population. See, again, logistically, I don't understand how this would work. Yeah, we would just like kind of put them into like a a penal colony. Like put them on a boat? Sure. (laughs) Put them where? I'm not really sure. I mean, you'd have to give it somewhere where they could, you know, kind of try to subsist. I'd just give them California. No, it's too much coastline. Oregon. Washington. We can give them Washington. Are they all going to fit up there? That's a lot yeah. of people. Yeah, 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 it'll be fine. <laughs> it'll be fine. Yeah, if they all live in communes. It's not a big deal. They're all going to be sharing toilet paper and all that liberal nonsense anyways. It'll be great. They're going to love it. Um, well, coming back to the real world, because I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, by the way, folks, if you want to read into anything that we were just joking or talking about there, please, please, please go live in your commune in Washington. <laughs> 
there's no analogy to anything there. We were just joking around. Because logistically, when you start to thinking about how splitting apart the country on political lines would work, it just doesn't work. Yeah. It just doesn't work. But one side's going to have to win the ideological, cultural well, oh, battle. Besides the fact that we already tried it. That's technically what states are for. Yeah. And we've mucked that all up by yeah. making everything under federal law. Well, liberals mucked it up because the... Because because liberalism and the voyeurism that is attached to liberalism, it's not enough for the liberal to just be able to do whatever they want in their own home. They have to make sure that you are doing what they want you to do in the comfort of your own home. That's what mucked everything up. Yeah. Which is when why, we- wouldn't it be nice if we actually got some strong, aggressive Republicans to come in sweep all forms of government and then actually put in states' rights. Strip the federal government of almost all of their power. All of the power. Well, how are we going to go to war if we need to? The, the Ron Swanson plan. What's the Ron Swanson plan? It's like there's a, a man a, a man who wins um, a battle against other men of uh, intelligence and physical strength. And then he sits in a room and he decides whether or not we nuke another country <laughs> and women are brought to him. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's really going to work. <laughs> when were you introduced to Raul Dahl? When I was a kid. I was introduced to him in third grade. He wasn't a big, big feature of New Hampshire schools. Here's the difference between Max and I. Max has an extraordinarily amazing memory, a very fuzzy memory, so... Somehow he remembers exactly third grade. I bet you he remembers the day in the month and probably what basketball team was playing. I had a good third grade basketball story. Okay. <laughs> Are you going to tell it? Well, anyway, so, so <laughs> when my family moved from New Hampshire to uh, Massachusetts, a very, very liberal, liberal, liberal mass- part of Massachusetts, um, that was the first time that I had been introduced to Ronald Dahl. We didn't read Ronald Dahl in New Hampshire. We read Ronald, but everyone in Massachusetts like, oh, you don't know Ronald Dahl? You don't know the fat, fantastic Mr. Fox? You know James and the Giant Peach? You don't know the other other one? There's other ones. But anyways, uh, Matilda, Matilda, Charlie and a Chocolate Factory, all that stuff. Yeah, right. So Ronald Dahl. And uh, so anyways, got into Ronald Dahl and read a lot of Ronald Dahl living, living in Massachusetts and enjoyed Ronald Dahl. He also just has a fun name to say, Raul Dahl. Say that five times fast. This is from the New York Post today. Fat, ugly, crazy, and even female. <laughs> These are some of the words that have been controversially scrubbed from Raul Dahl's famed children's books by so-called sensitivity experts. The revelation was first reported by the UK's Telegraph last week when the outlet published an extensive list showing hundreds of changes to books like Matilda, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and James and the Giant Peach. So absurd. Here are some of the words now removed from Doll's books. Fat. In Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the, descrip- the description of gluttonous boy Augustus Goop has been changed from enormously fat to just enormous. Oh, whoa, that, that, well, that does, a, that does a world of change. That, that must help the boy's psyche. So a um, little Augustus there must feel so much better. You're not just enormously fat. You're just enormous. 
<laughs> oh, good. In the Twits book, the Mrs. Twit character is no longer called ugly and beastly, but rather just beastly. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're not just ugly and beastly. You're just beastly. <laughs> oh, how ugly they were. The sentence in the BFG, which described the not-so-friendly giants, has also been scrubbed. This is ridiculous. A description of the Mrs. Jenkins character in The Witches has seen the word crazy removed. In older versions, Dahl had written Mrs. Jenkins will go crazy, but it has since changed to Mrs. Jenkins will be furious. In Matilda, a sentence that previously read crazy with frustration now says wild with frustration. The book James and the Giant Peach also saw similar edits. A sentence that read that crazy glowworm has gone to sleep with her light on now uses the term silly instead. Who are they trying to protect? These are my favorites, though. In some instances, the word female has also been replaced in various books. For example, in Matilda, Miss Churchbull, described as a most formidable female, is now a most formidable woman. Female is offensive, but woman isn't? Another example from the witches shows the term flood of females tweaked to a, quote, flood of people. Well, why couldn't that be flood of women? Where possible, gender-neutral terms are now being used. For example, mothers and fathers has become parents in newer versions of Matilda and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. That's so stupid. Also, the cloud men characters in James and the Giant Peach are now cloud people. So, is there, are they still printing the original version? Because I don't want this newfangled weird version. Well, you're gonna. I mean, I'm sure now that there's going to be a black market. Yeah, for do I have to go on Wild eBay to books, buy? You're going to have to go on eBay to get the old Wild Doll books with the actual gendered terms. This is ridiculous. I'm gonna have to go to the used bookstore tomorrow and buy them all. This is uh, yeah. This I mean, you're right. You're 100 percent right. For any of these, you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to really. You're gonna have to. To. I mean, you're gonna have to go to your local dealer. Yeah. Your used book dealer. Hey, psst, psst, psst. you got any of that psst, road doll? You know yo, you the before that, times. Yo, you got that James and the Giant Peach circa nineteen ninety five. Yo, you got that? You got that? They're gonna have to edit the movies. They already made a new Matilda on Netflix. Really? Yeah. I haven't seen it, but I heard it's not as good. Well. Those movies, it's like your local pizza place. There's no place that makes better pizza in the world than your local pizza place that you had growing up. Our generation's version movies are always going to be better than the next generation's version of the movies. Sure. And you want to know what? We're right. <laughs> Screw those kids. We're right. They're completely wrong. Uh, All right. Wrapping it up with some food? I don't have anything for i've really been slacking on the food food thing. well i've just it's 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 been harder and harder and harder to 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 find stuff i haven't seen stuff popping up as much um you gotta get creative it doesn't have to be a story 
about food from today. It could just be any sort of food fact. Yeah, but I like it to be topical. Uh, well, that does make it more difficult. Well, it does make it more difficult, but you want to know what? That's what makes our show better. We could talk about how Crumble makes $3 billion a year selling cookies. Really? <laughs> Three billion, yeah, that's right. Really? $3 billion? Yep. That's pretty good. Selling cookies. Which... All right, I got one. I actually have one. Okay. I have one. Crumble cookies are good. They don't sponsor the program, so I don't care if you go buy them. But if you want to sponsor us, I wouldn't mind. Even if it's free cookies. Okay. All right. I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. This seasonal item at McDonald's Ugh. is returning for its 53rd year. Filet of fish. Close. Okay. So great guess. Fantastic guess. The Shamrock Shake. I've literally never heard of this. You've, shamrock shake? The shamrock shake. It's oh, a like green a milkshake. Shake. It's a green minty milkshake. Have you, so I'm going to, well, you answer my next question of have you, <laughs> ever had a, have you ever had a shamrock shake? No, have not. The only time we ate McDonald's was in the summer when we were at swim classes because our babysitter would take it, us to McDonald's without our parents knowing. Otherwise, we didn't really eat McDonald's. So this shamrock thing sounds like it's not a summer dish. So didn't happen. The Shamrock Shake's history dates back to the late 60s. It was first created in 1967 by Hal Rosen, a McDonald's owner and operator in Connecticut who blended together mint milkshakes for St. Patrick's Day celebrations. In 1970, it debuted in select locations across the U.S. and was considered an instant success, according to McDonald's. In 1974, shake sales helped fund the very first Ronald McDonald House in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The effort started when the three-year-old daughter of Philadelphia Eagles football player Fred Hill was being treated for leukemia at a local children's hospital. Hill and his wife camped out in hospital chairs and benches and saw other parents in the same situation. Local McDonald's owner-operators donated proceeds from Shamrock Shanks to build the first Ronald McDonald House. Today, Ronald McDonald House Charities continues to keep millions of families with sick children near the care and resources they need all over the world through a network of local chapters and over 1,000 core programs. So there Have you go. Have you had it? I mean, come on. Do you, you can, come on. You can, you, I think you know the answer to that question. Is it no? It's yes. Yeah, I've had a shamrock shake. They're pretty good. You don't really seem to like chocolate chip ice cream, though. Yeah, but I mean, I, I mean, I've tried, I've, I've tried pretty much most fast, most mainstream fast food items. So okay, so but um, so I have, and you want to know what? I'm gonna get one this year, just like the McRib. I'm gonna get a Shamrock Shake. I and do this time appreciate I'll have that it. they use the correct ice cream because I like the mint chocolate chip that's green, mm -hmm. not this newfangled white super pepperminty frou frou stuff. That's not mint chocolate chip. That's some sort of frou frou nonsense. Well, we'll get a Shamrock Shake. We'll get a Shamrock Shake this year. You have it during the show. Um, since you brought up the filet of fish, I'm going to save that for our next episode. Okay, great. Talk about a little bit of the history, a little more McDonald's history for everyone. All right. We will see you on Ash Wednesday. Yeah, you will. Happy Lent, everyone.
It's just awfully good that someone with the temperament of Donald Trump is not in charge of the law in our country. Because you'd be in jail. Secretary Clinton. <laughs> Stay out the bushes. Jet is a mess. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>